time over to you, Lord. Would you do your will? Your will be done, God, Lord. Would your son be glorified? Amen. Amen. Take a seat. Isn't it so wonderful when we position ourselves before God and prepare our hearts for the work of the Spirit? You know, we have you know, limited time together here on a Sunday morning, but if you're desperate for more of him, if you're hungry for more of him, if you're wanting to experience more of him and draw closer to him, I just really want to invite you along to our um, Pentecost pause event coming up in three weeks' time on the 27th of, um, of May. And the details, can we pop the details on the screen? Um, so that will be at 7.30 here at church, and we're just going to spend a night. There's going to be a night of intimacy, of intercession, of impartation, as we seek to be filled more with the Holy Spirit and you know, in a greater way, not just as individuals, but as a church community. We know, um, you know everyone's going to be coming from a different place. You know, we'll all have a different journey, um, but this is going to be a great space for us to experience God together as the body of Christ. So we will be worshipping together, praying prophetically, seeking God, um, and to come prepared to be still in his presence. And don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to connect with God and with each other, hey? Just bring your whole family, encourage your life groups to come along. Um, so 7.30, Saturday, 27th of May, right here as we seek him in prayer and worship together. So if you've just joined us, if you're new here for the first time, welcome. My name is Sharon and I'm one of the pastors here at Clayton. Um, so two weeks ago, we started a new series about the Holy Spirit in an attempt to understand more, experience more, and be more empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Paul kicked um, the series off by setting the scene and reminding us um, that the Spirit had been promised to come and to dwell among us um, long before Jesus. You know, even in Genesis, we saw that um, you know, the Spirit was there and he, he, he was in and amongst the work of God. And last week, Ron spoke about the person of the Holy Spirit and unpacked for us this relationship that the person of the Holy Spirit has with the Trinity. And, you know, that the Holy Spirit isn't just a feeling or, you know, like a power or just something, you know, that we experience, but it's a person and it's um, someone that we can relate to. And so this morning we're going to be talking and um, looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then after Mother's Day, we're also going to continue on with more about experiencing this Holy Spirit. Has this been helpful so far? Yeah? I, I've found it really helpful as well. And yeah, sometimes I'm like, wow, like, you know, we go through these things. We might know them in our heads, um, but to go through them again and to hear it afresh is always so helpful. You know, there's such a wide range of uh, where Christians sit uh, in the understanding of the Spirit across the global church. So, you know, we thought um, it'd be helpful for us to kind of lay down some foundations, lay down this understanding so that we're all on the same page as we talk about the Spirit. Now, on one end of the spectrum, you've got um, the more conservative Christians who uh, believe that the Trinity is Father God, the Son, and the Holy Bible. 
And you've also got on the other end the raging Pentecostals who are like, Holy Spirit, everything. But most of us are probably in the middle somewhere. Here. Maybe some of you here are, um, you know, not sure. You kind of know about the Holy Spirit, but you're um, unfamiliar with how he works. When I first became a Christian at the age of 16, I was probably sitting about here, um, closer to the Pentecostal side. I, um, I remember our youth group actually going to Planet Shakers Conference uh, together. Not at this church. I wasn't a part of the youth group at this church. But um, I was talking to Jeff about this, and apparently we were at the same conference, like long before we even met each other. Um, and he was like, oh, did you hear this speaker? I'm like, yes, like I remember that happening. And, you know, that, that person did that. I'm like, yes, like I was there too. Probably sitting opposite sides of the auditorium. But I feel like Planet Shake is, is like the the Billy Graham crusades of our generation. <laughs> so many of our friends came to Christ um, through, through those conferences. Anyway, at this conference, um, my best friend and I actually received the gift of tongues. Um, and it was so funny. Like, I know, you know, it's, it's not usually funny, but it was really funny for us because the Spirit was so powerful on her life that she actually couldn't stop speaking Japanese for 24 hours straight. Like, it was, it was so bizarre. Um, it wasn't funny for her at the time, but I just remember like taking the train home with her and, and trying to have a conversation, and, and she just couldn't speak English. Like she just couldn't physically stop speaking Japanese. And I, I had been learning Japanese in high school at the time, so I, can't, I was like, "This is Japanese. I don't fully understand what you're saying, but I don't know what we're gonna do. We just, you know, we'll just go with it and see what happens." You know, uh, she eventually, you know, stopped after a day or so. We actually went up to a pastor and we were like, "Help! Like, what, what's happening?" Um, and it was just the most bizarre thing. Um, but this event, this experience with the Spirit actually was life-changing for me. Like, I still remember it so clearly to this day. And this encounter of this, with the Spirit actually set me on a journey, um, asking lots and lots of questions. I asked my pastors, my youth leaders, and I just had so many questions. Like, what is the purpose of tongues? Like, what, is, what, are, the, what are the gifts for? What do you mean when you say you heard God speak to you? What is, was it an audible voice? Was it, was it like, what do you mean you're seeing visions? Like, what, what are you talking about? There's so many, I have so many questions. Like, I know the Holy Spirit talks and speaks, but how do I know that it's not just my voice or, you know, the thoughts in my head? And how do I know it's the Spirit speaking to me? You know, why don't we see more miracles happening today? How do we know what spiritual gifts I have and how do I get them? How do I know it's really God? There's so many more questions that I'm sure many of you sitting here might be also asking. And hopefully we'll be able to answer most, if not all, of these questions throughout this series. Um, and then I went to Bible College, and I remember sitting in one of my lectures, and it must have been like the life and ministry of the Spirit or something like that. And in my class was a brother who very much sat on this end of the spectrum. He was a brother from a brethren background. So his belief was that um, the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit was something that we read in the Bible, that it was a historical event that happened at the time of Jesus, but in today's current world, um, in current day, we don't see miracles. The Spirit isn't at work anymore. Um, there's no gifts, and everything has ceased. And so that was his kind of belief there. And I, I remember my lecturer being so patient and just asked him to you know, sit, sit where he was and just take in as much as he could. And as she began to um, introduce the class, tears started rolling down my face. 
The Spirit's presence was so thick and tangible in that room. And my own, my had only just been talking about the Spirit. Like there wasn't, no, there was no music, there was no mood lighting, there was no smoke machines, you know, like that you get at a conference. It was just a plain old classroom without any of the theatrics. And I remember she paused when she was talking. She's like, she looked at me and she said, the Spirit's presence is here, isn't it? And I'm like, yes. Like crying so hard, trying to listen into the lecture. And that day, people in our class began to prophesy over one another. We received visions. We received, um, we interpreted each other's tongues. Someone had spoken out God's call over my life. Um, and it was really, really clear to everybody in that room that day that the Spirit's work wasn't something we just read about in the Bible. It wasn't just a historical event. It wasn't just a something that we knew about theologically, theoretically, or academically. The Holy Spirit was someone who was very much still alive and at work today and every day. And that he had a role to play in our lives, in our ministry, in our, in our walk with Jesus. Do you sometimes feel like that? Like as a Christian, we kind of like know the Holy Spirit lives in us. But it's still such a foreign concept. You know, we know he can do all these things, but it's so unfamiliar. and We don't have any clue how to relate to him. You know, we know the Father really well. We know he's an unchanging, unfailing God. He's a sovereign God. He, you know, he's the creator God. And we know that he's good. Like, we know all these things about the Father. We know Jesus even more. We know his life. We read about his quotes. We can quote his teachings. We talk about and share about what he did in the cross. And we boast about his resurrection. You know, we pray, Heavenly Father. Or we ask for things in Jesus' name. But do you ever address the Holy Spirit in your prayers? Do we ever acknowledge the Holy Spirit in the days, in our daily lives? It's a bit like owning a Google Home or the Amazon version of, um, what's it called, Alexa. Does anyone have one of those? Yes, some, maybe. Okay, not many people. <laughs> well, I, we really like our Google Home. Um, Jeff and I have um, a Google Home. We actually set it up uh, both at our old house and our new house. And at our old house, like my Family liked it so much, they're like, can we keep it? We'll buy you a new one. <laughs> um, so we get it to turn on and off our coffee machine, our dishwasher, our TV, our bedroom lights remotely. Uh, we ask it to set alarms, we ask it to play music, we ask it to tell us what the time is or what the weather is, you know, how long it might take for us to go somewhere if I left now or if I left in 10 minutes' time, what the traffic is like. Sometimes Jeff, uh, Jeff and I are lying in bed um, late at night and we ask Google all our dumb questions um, to settle any like before bed discussions that we have. Um, so like, you know, hey Google, are turtles like connected to their shells <laughs> or are they separate? Or like, hey Google, are cucumbers a fruit or a vegetable? And we just kind of, you know, call on Google when we have these questions. But even so, sometimes Google will be like, by the way, you can ask me to do these things. Just say blah, blah, blah. Or you can set up an alarm. Or I can tell you the news. And I'm like, gosh, like I thought we were using Google pretty well, but still we are not close to even using Google's potential. But I think of the, the poor old Google Home we actually bought for Jeff's parents who um, actually lives on their kitchen bench. Um, and they use it basically as a digital photo frame. So it just kind of sits there and it kind of flicks through photos because they don't think to use it any other way. They don't think to, oh, I might 
ask it a question or I might get it to do this or I might get it to do that. And we just feel like this as Christians, aren't we? Even though we might have a Google Home, we have the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us has a Holy Spirit dwelling in us, don't we? But not every one of us have a relationship with the Holy Spirit or know its full potential or role in our lives. We're not even close to living our lives in step and empowered by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. And yet, in John 14, Jesus says that because of the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, anyone who believes in Jesus will do not only the same work that he has done, but even greater work than him. In verse 15, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And all those who believe, love and obey Jesus have the Holy Spirit as their advocate, leading and guiding them into all truth. And he's not only with us, he lives in us. And I don't know, um, if you guys know this song, there was a song, worship song in the 2000s um, that went, and you go, he went, um, the same power that conquered the grave lives in me, lives in me. Do you guys know that song? The same, your love that conquered the earth lives in me. And it was inspired by um, Romans 8. And it says this, and Christ lives with, within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictation, what it dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Isn't it insane to think that the same power, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and me. Like, let's just let that sink in for a moment. When we think of the gospel, it's the single most miraculous thing that God does to conquer sin and death and to raise Jesus from the dead after three days. Like, if someone wanted to make up a believable story, they, they would not include such a bizarre and outrageous plot twist. You really, really can't make this stuff up. And it's this same power that lives in you and me. It's this same power that leads and guides us. It's this same power that equips and empowers us every day. How many of us can say that we live our lives being led by this spirit in our day to day? Are we just busy people running around, doing lots of activity and living life however we want? Are we doing whatever we think is best? Or are we living lives being led by the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. 
We literally have direct access to the throne room of God. We have a direct line to the Father, the giver of all things. We have direct intel of all wisdom and truth from the spirit of the living God. Is that Google? (laughs) And yet, maybe like the Google home, for some of us, the spirit just sits on the kitchen bench of our hearts as a digital photo frame. Scrolling through the memories, the old photos from the past. The spirit is alive and he wants to play a role in your life. And the only person that can stop that is you. Your fear, your uncertainty, your barriers, your hardened hearts. And I get it. We hear stories all the time of people getting mixed up in the hype. We hear of people getting caught up in the dangers, getting a bit kooky and playing with fire. And that's why it's so crucial for us, for every believer, to read the word of God, to know his character, to understand the role of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and to build our relationship on this foundation, on the word of God. Our God is a God of order. He is steadfast. He's unchanging in who he is. The Spirit would never do anything that would contradict the character of God we read in the Bible. And from Genesis to Revelation, we see this God that we worship is doing one thing and one thing only, and that is to draw people of all nations to himself. In the Old Testament, we, you know, he fought for people's heart and devotion. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus broke down every sin and barrier so that we could be in the presence and in relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit leads, guides, and convicts us so that we can become more like Christ, and more aligned with the life that God wants us to live. Not just a life to live however we want, but a life to live with him. He empowers and gifts us so that we can bring heaven to earth and usher in this coming kingdom of God where he will continue, we will continue to live with him forever and ever. And in all this, Paul tells us the fruit and the evidence of the spirit in our lives should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you claim to be led by the Spirit, but this fruit isn't evident in your life, in your ministry, then something is terribly wrong. And notice that it's fruit, not fruits. It's singular. And unlike gifts of the Spirit, you don't get one or another. You don't get to choose. You don't get one but not the other. It's all of it. It should come as a package, as every believer living by the Spirit should eventually see each and every one of these characteristics developed in their walk with Jesus as the Spirit does its work in our lives. And if you're being led by the Spirit and it doesn't feel or sound like any of these things, you need to be very, very careful. So we've talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit wants to play a role in our lives um, and have a ministry in our lives. Well, the Bible actually, you know, talks about this. You know, what does it look like for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life? What does it, what does it, what does the Spirit's ministry and role in our life look like? Well, the Bible actually talks a lot about this, um, not just in the New Testament, but you know, we get some from the Old Testament as well. But one thing's for sure: it's not always showy, it's not always dramatic, it's not always miraculous like we we think. And it can be so daunting to engage um, with the Holy Spirit when 
you know, all we hear about are the miracles and the supernatural gifts of healing and prophecy and the speaking of tongues and whatnot. But most of the time, the Spirit's work and ministry in our lives is actually quite subtle. It's actually quite gentle. And sometimes, you know, it's the bright ideas that come to you when you're in the shower or lying in bed or when you're going for a drive. Sometimes it's the nudge and the courage to, um, you feel, to do something that you wouldn't normally do, like, you know, share the gospel with someone on the street or um, doing something that you didn't realize, you know, speaking up and giving a verse to a friend. Sometimes it's when you read the Bible and a verse jumps out at you um, and it speaks right into your situation. That's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's the still small whisper that convicts you, helps you realize the truth about God or about yourself and cut right into the matter of your situation. Sometimes it's the wrestle when you refuse to do something that the Spirit prompts you to do and and you wrestle with the Spirit and you're like, oh, but I don't want to do that. And then the Spirit's like, but you need to and you should and I want you to do this. That's the Spirit's, the wrestle, that's the Spirit's work in our lives. And that's why it's so crucial for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person we can talk with and relate to. Because if the Holy Spirit is a person, an equal member of the Trinity that Ron spoke about last week, then it means that he is worthy of worship, of glory, of praise, and of honor because he is God alongside God the Father and God the Son. It means that he's a person that speaks to us and is involved not just in the high and in the moments of you know conferences and like high church services or whatever, but he's involved in the everyday moments of our everyday lives. And if we see the Holy Spirit just as a uh, impersonal force or a feeling or an experience, then we can fall in the trap of seeking after his hand instead of seeking after his face. We chase the experience, the manifestations, the gifts, the highs and the miracles. And throughout the history of the church, Christians have fallen into this trap before, thinking that the more of these things I experience, the more of the Spirit they have. Like if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't really have the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, completely untrue. You either have the Spirit or you don't. And the real question isn't how much of the Holy Spirit you have, but how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Are you looking for the outward manifestations or are you looking for the inward transformation by the Spirit? The Bible tells us the Spirit is our advocate, comforter, counsellor, helper, who teaches and reminds us of Jesus' teachings. He um, is, convicts the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment, as Pastor Chi shared in communion this morning. He guides us into all truth. He tells us what he's heard from the Father and tells us about the future. I remember one time I was prayer walking with a friend, and I, when, when we walked past um, this lady um, on the street, my friend suddenly stopped and she said, Oh, poor lady. God had impressed on her heart what this lady was going through, her brokenness and the pain that she was experiencing. We actually turned back um, and we stopped to pray for her on the street right then and there. And the Spirit also um, brings Jesus glory, gives us visions and dreams and speaks to us and helps us make decisions, guides our lives. He gives us God's desires directs us, produces fruit in our lives, gives us life and frees us from the power of sin that leads to death. He leads us into life and peace. He leads our lives and he affirms that we are God's children and his heirs 
He helps us in our weakness and prays for us and pleads for us and, of course, gives us gifts. Another time I was um, sitting in the back of a taxi and I remember um, feeling a really uh, sudden... This was in Jakarta, so I didn't understand what was going on. And I remember feeling this really strong prompt to pray in tongues under my breath. Um, when we arrived at our destination, I found out that the, uh, my colleague who was sitting at the front, she was a local missionary, uh, she told me that uh, during that taxi ride, she was actually having a spiritual conversation with the driver. Um, she was ha- telling me that um, he was trying to convert her to Islam, and she was responding by telling him the gospel. And I knew immediately in my heart that was what the Holy Spirit in me was praying for, even though I didn't understand the language of what was being said or the heavenly language that I was also praying in. The Spirit groans, he prays, he pleads, and he intercedes on our behalf. And all these verses we've talked about are all just the explicit passages where the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is mentioned and referred to in the Bible. And how often do we um, turn to our friends and our family and to Google and to books to make decisions, to find direction in life instead of turning to the Holy Spirit? How often do we turn to a friend and look to a spouse to find comfort and peace when we're going through something instead of looking to the Spirit? How often do we turn to the world instead of turning to God and being led by His Spirit? How often do we go through life doing things that, the way that we want instead of doing what the Spirit is leading us to do and ignoring his prompts because we aren't tuned in or listening to what he has to say? How often do we rely on our own strength instead of working and doing things by the power of his Spirit? And yet we have all this wisdom, all this power, all this resource, not only at our fingertips, but living right inside of us. And this is not um, the perfect analogy, but bear with me. um, I always think of the Holy Spirit as like a hand. Um, Like if God was an arm, I know that sounds very heretical, but if God was an arm, the Father would be like the shoulder, Jesus would be like the elbow, and the Holy Spirit would be like the hand. They are different parts, but they all make up the arm. And just as the Father isn't the Son, who isn't the Holy Spirit, but together they are God and, and all, are always moving and working together in all things. So when, when I want to move a hand, the whole arm moves along together. Um, what the hand does, the arm and the elbow are always enabling it to do. They're always together in everything they do. And the Spirit is always wanting and doing the work of the Father, of Jesus. And when we lack a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we are crippling ourselves with the work and ministry of God in our lives and in our world. It's like ignoring the hand as though it plays such an insignificant role in the work of the arm. It's literally a part that executes everything. And the Holy Spirit has a huge role in God's plans and purposes. It wants to have a significant role in your lives too. So where do you begin? Practically, I think the first thing to do is to learn more about the Holy Spirit. You study the Word of God, look up passages in the Bible that talk about the Holy Spirit learn about the character and the heart of God. What is he like? How does he speak? How does he lead? Ask lots of questions. Read books. Be open to learn and unlearn. Secondly, make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. Your relationships take up time and space, and it's no different with the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to say you have a relationship with someone, and it's another thing to actually spend time with them. 
We listen, listening to them, talking to them, and building trust with them. If you continue to live the way you live now, would you have time to seek the Holy Spirit in your daily life? Would you have space in your plans for the Holy Spirit to intervene, to input, to change your plans? Would you have time to stop and listen to the Spirit's guidance in your life? You need to make room for him, to make room and space for him. Thirdly, position yourself before the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by this? Have you ever tried to sit down um, and spend time with God, but your mind just ends up wandering? You, you, know, you just want to get whatever quiet time you have out of the way with God and then just get on with your day because there's so much on your to-do list and there's so many things running through your mind. Sometimes it's because we haven't made room for the Spirit. We can't position ourselves before the Spirit. And when I really want to position myself before God um, and solely focus on Him, sometimes I like to do a mind dump. Like quite literally, I'll take out a pen and paper and just jot down the billion things that are running through my mind um, that's distracting me from God. My long list of to-dos for the day, for tomorrow, for the week ahead. After this, you know, I've got to take meat out of the freezer, buy milk, also add eggs, and I speak to so-and-so about the thing at work. I've got that deadline I have to meet. Uh, by the end of tomorrow, I've got to return that missed call from Big Boss Pasachi because he never texts and he always calls. And I write all these things down so that I won't forget. But I'm also not carrying them in my head and allowing them to distract me from my time with God. And with all these things uh, now on paper and out of my mind, my body can relax. I can drop my shoulders and roll them back. I can sit there with my hands open like Pastor Paul showed us um, in week one. I can be in a posture and a position ready to receive and hear from the Spirit. And sometimes it's you know, also getting off my butt so that I can physically walk across the room to position myself somewhere to be in the presence of God. Like walking across the room or turning to the person next to me to ask for prayer, for wisdom, for guidance, for blessing, or even just more of his Spirit's work in my life. Sometimes it's making space on my calendar so that I can be at church or be somewhere like the Pentecost pause night or the Embrace Women's event or a catch-up with a struggling friend or a conference or a camp that I really want to be at. Position yourself. Turn up. Be there. Be present and be ready to give, receive, or be the vehicle that God uses to minister to others. Position yourself in the presence of God so that you can be used and be transformed. Relate to the Spirit. It's not enough to just know about the Spirit, but we need to build a relationship with Him. Talk to Him, pray, and practice listening to what He has to say. I know this sounds kind of hard when you're first starting out, and it you know, just kind of, you're like, where do I even begin? Um, and I believe Pastor Paul is going to actually be speaking more about this later on in the series. Um, but someone actually once told me that the Holy Spirit is always wanting to speak to us. We just need to stop and we need to listen. And he can speak in so many ways, through impressions, through visions, through the Bible, through um, other brothers and sisters, through his word. And something I did as a young Christian was actually um, write down what I sensed God was saying to me. So I might read the Bible, I might pray, I might sing some worship songs um, so that I'm in a position ready to hear, right? And then I'd grab a journal and I'd, at the top of the page, I'd just simply write, Dear Sharon, and ask God to speak to me. And then I'd listen, and I'd write down anything that comes to my mind. 
And you can't, you can't really think too much about this because you can't be like, oh, is that what God is saying? I don't know. But just like whatever comes to your mind, you kind of you write it down. Um, and you just have to press in and kind of go, God, I trust that you are speaking to me now as it comes to you. And almost every single time I do this, what comes out on the paper is actually really, really encouraging. There's truths from God that I, you know, that I didn't come up with myself, um, that I've known from the Bible. But it's filled with biblical truths, convictions, or reminders of who I am, who he is, and what he's called me to do. And remember, God will never do or say anything that is contradictory to um, his word. And that's why it's so important for us to know and build that foundation from the get-go and get to know the God of the Bible. And sometimes it can make no sense to me, like, you know, God can say something. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but that's okay. I just park it in my journal. Like, nobody has to see that. Nobody has to know. But the more I did this, the more I gained confidence in listening to what God has to say. If I make a mistake, that's okay. And I try again. So I might read something in the Bible, sense that God is speaking to me through it, write it down, put it into action. And the more I do this, the more I gain confidence. So I practice listening and then obeying and then listening. And they're obeying. And over time, God's voice becomes familiar. And the way he speaks becomes familiar. But it's so true. Like God is always, always, always wanting to speak to us. I was once sitting on a, um, a couch, kind of like hugging a cushion, and I asked God, speak to me. Like, God, I really want you to speak to me. And I remember that God answered so quickly in that moment. And he said, Sharon, I don't want you to be too comfortable in life. And I'm like, you mean this cushion? <laughs> um, he said, I want you to find comfort. I want you to find your comfort in me. And I was like, oh, that spoke directly to the situation I was in at the time. And I have so many more stories of, you know, when God's spirit speaks and guides and intervenes in the decisions I've made in my life. And you can have these stories and these moments too. Sometimes we just have to ask, stop and listen, and he will speak. If you're a believer of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God living inside you. So it's not crazy that he would want to speak to you. I remember doing this with primary school kids, um, both Christians and non-Christians. I, you know, I sp- asked them to close their eyes so that they are not distracted, read them a psalm, and then I'd ask them what they sensed God was saying to them. You know, and one by one, they'd put their hands up. Like These are, I don't know, grade one to four, year, uh, grade one to four um, students. And one by one, they put their hands up and tell me, God said he loves me. God said he's like an umbrella protecting me. God felt really warm. God said he's like a safe place that I can go to when I'm scared. And this is what childlike faith looks like. And we need to relate to the Spirit, to build a relationship with him, to talk to him and to listen to him. Bring the things that are weighing your heart down to him. The disagreement with a friend you had, that thing your mother said that you can't stop thinking about, that big decision you don't know what to do. Hold these things before God and ask him for wisdom. Ask him to speak into those situations. Ask him for healing. Ask him for confirmation from his word. Bring them before him and listen to what he has to say. We relate to the spirit like we relate to any other person. We talk to him. We listen. We brainstorm with him. We bounce ideas. We ask for advice and wisdom. And we turn to him to find comfort and direction. And finally, be led by the Spirit. You know, we think it's so easy to go through life in our own strength, with our own agendas, according to our own plans and our own timing. But it's actually so much harder than it has to be. 
You know, how many of us come up with plans and then we kind of ask God to answer our prayers? We ask him to do what we want and we ask him what he can do for us. But being led by the Spirit doesn't work that way. It always starts with him and what he wants to do and not what we want him to do for us. I don't know what about humans it is, but it just seems so dumb that we have the Spirit of the Lord, of the universe, living inside of us, speaking to and guiding our every step, and yet we still want to take control of the situation all the time. Some of us can't make room for the Spirit, position ourselves, hear and receive. You know, some of us do this regularly, converse with and relate to the Spirit, and yet we still want to do things our own way. We always give this analogy, like a sailboat. We want to put up our sails to catch the wind of the Spirit. Because that power in the wind is so much greater than anywhere we can ever row with our two little arms. If we're not sailing with the Spirit, we're working so much harder and so much more effective than we have to be. One of the most effective winds we can individually catch is figuring out and practicing the gifts that the Spirit has given each of us to bring glory to his name and to build up the body of Christ. If I can get the worship team to get ready. We're going to be talking a little bit more about um, these gifts later on, in the spirit, uh, later on in the series and being empowered by the Spirit. But if you're not exercising the gifts that the Spirit has given you, then you're not being the most effective you can be in his kingdom and in his purposes. As we read in First Corinthians, each and every one of the spiritual gifts have a place and they have a part to play in the body of Christ. They are all useful in building up the church and in glorifying God. And when we're exercising, practicing, and uh, using these gifts, we're being powered by God to do his will. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want us to just be Christians who, who do what we think is right or what we think we should do, but I want to be Christians that are empowered and led by the Spirit in everything I do so that I can represent him in each and every single area of my life. Has this been helpful? In a moment, we're going to be um, worshipping in song. But as we prepare to do that, I want you to just spend a moment to make room, to position yourself in the presence of God. I just want you to relax your body, to close your eyes, and to open your arms to him like you're ready to receive. And as you breathe in, I want you to whisper, Holy Spirit. And as you breathe out, Pray, come. He knows exactly where to meet you. And he knows exactly what you need today. Lord, that's our prayer. We know you more. Would you speak? Would the word of God come alive? Would the Holy Spirit minister to each and every person in this place online as they approach him with humility, coming into his presence with obedience, making room, ready for him to speak. We love you. We love you. And we want to walk in your way. Lord, bless these people, every one of them. May they see you, hear you, know you more. In 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.